0: this fab fm podcast is proudly brought to you by bendigo bank port douglas and mossman offering a full range of competitive banking products and technology you'd expect from a big bank with the personal service and care you'd expect from us furthermore the port douglas branch
1: is now excited to announce its brand new location at the saltwater building shop 9 26
2: to 30 Macrossan street bendigo bank the better big bank
1: Mayor Michael Kerr, first of all, you had a deputation from the key Port Douglas Free Community Group and they were quite emotional about uh, the mandate and how it affects them. Taking our freedoms and our rights is certainly not going to have a positive effect. And this is the reality. Whatever your stance on the vaccines, on your health, whether you're scared, whether you're not, government legislation, government political playing with our lives is not going to stop this thing it's out there it's been out there for the last 18 months it's probably gone through the community already so nothing adds up we don't know what the truth is but we know that what we're being told is not the truth how do you see it and the state government's upcoming mandate
0: you know i do feel sorry for each individual that's got their particular issues as far as taking the vaccine um the the businesses that are being affected by the restrictions that are being brought in um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day i support the restrictions that are being brought in um, i believe that chel the Cho, as he's called the chief health officer um, is making a decision that's based on the majority of the community um we don't want high um amounts of people getting the virus at the same time we have to slow it as much as possible Um, there is absolute evidence there that shows that unvaccinated people are at more risk of catching it there is evidence there that show that the unvaccinated people um, can pass it on easier than vaccinated people because their viral loads are higher you know so by taking them out of the equation in uh, tight social settings um, you know, he's hoping to, of course, slow down the infection rate, which therefore assists the hospitals. And that's that's what it all comes down to, hospital beds, how many people can be saved. You know, if you go by New South Wales um, infection rates, um, it was about 14, 12 to 14 percent of people that got COVID ended up wanting or needing some sort of hospital assistance. Um, of, of those, you know, a thousand of them, you know, roughly needed ICU beds. Yeah, you know, we don't have that we've got 18 beds in this region you know so do the maths where are these people going how are they going to cope with it you know we that's and that's just the unvaccinated ones you know if you look at the vaccinated ones as well the vaccination does not stop you from getting sick okay it, it all it does is assist your body fight it so hopefully your body can fight it before you become too sick you know but some people that are elder Even though they got the vaccine, you know, they could well become quite ill with it. You know, so it's absolutely imperative that the Chief Health Officer has put in the recommendations that he has. And I think, you know, we have to remember the fact that COVID is not over. You know, COVID's only just starting up here. You know, if you look at New South Wales and Victoria, you know, they've gone through this process and we've seen, we've sat back having our lives, everything's been happy and normal whilst they've gone through this hell and, you know, I think it's something that we have to prepare ourselves that this is going to not be an easy ride. It's foolish to pretend that, you know, these things aren't going to happen because they are. You know, people are going to get sick. You know, employees will be sick. They will be off work. You know, we're complaining because you can't employ someone who's not vaccinated. Well, they're not going to be working if they're sick anyway. And if they are sick, they're going to be infecting people who have been vaccinated. So therefore, you're going to lose more people. It's a continuous cycle, you know, and who knows? There's no crystal ball. We don't know what the actual answer may be, but the chief health officer has to make decisions based on the best facts that he's got, and he can't be that wrong if New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, um, South Australia, Northern Territory are all doing the same things. It comes across as logic sense if that's the case. You had a protest today, maybe 150 people, maybe slightly less
1: and uh, quite orderly, but you had the police here as well.
0: Well, we have to take all precautions, you know, because the staff have to be protected. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. It's a very emotive thing you know the people you know there have been people that have got quite sick from the vaccinations and you know they've got a story to tell and you know when they tell that story other people can get angry from it and again things could roll so it's better to be safe than sorry you know the police are absolutely they're the ones that are going to be mandating you know this at the end of the day Um, so they need to be involved and need to see these things so I'm certainly glad we had their support.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it was quite orderly, uh, apart from tapping on the window occasionally or whatever. It was pretty orderly. Now, uh, the Deputy Mayor disagreed with your mayoral
0: minute um, uh, using the words without substance. That substance. I thought my mirror minute had quite a lot of substance to it, and considering what we can do and how we can do it, and, you know, as I said in the meeting at the end of the day, we are a body corporate basically that sits within the state government legislation.
2: I didn't think it was um supportive enough for our community, and um, and I believe that we need to let the state government know that this is going to be detrimental to our community and our businesses. So I just um didn't like the wording to it, so, I was happy to vote against it. I can understand what the state government's doing to protect its community with COVID and things like that, but I think it's a mandate that's unfair for businesses. It's now making um, businesses having to police a mandate, which they've had no say in doing. Uh, As a business owner myself, um, there's no way on a Friday night that I have enough staff to have someone beside the door to ensure that people are um, scanning in. You know, you're going to
1: have to be the police.
2: That's right. That's right. And um, so I don't have the staff to do that. And I do have young staff that work for me. And there's no way that I'm going to get them to stand at a door and ask people, are they vaccinated or not?
0: You know, we are part of the state government in that respect. So, you know, there's only so much that we can do. Um, this is the chief health officer's mandate. Got nothing to do. The premier can't override him in a lot of senses. Once the once the ministers have agreed that this is a health emergency, the chief health officer he's got control of this. Um, you know, so us little councillors down here, you know, in a shy of twelve thousand people, they don't they're not going to care. And I know it's the wrong words to say. They do obviously care about these situations, but the majority of the people is their concern. The chief health officer has made that decision, that call, and that's what's going to happen. The big picture. Uh, the government's mandate, a little bit of confusion
1: around it. I hope uh, in the future that we know whether uh, businesses can be taken to court by by their staff or by the community for discrimination. This is
0: stuff you still need to sort out. Yeah. I mean, the Premier's made it very clear in that respect that once the, um, the health order has been made, um, that the businesses would be protected under the health order. You know, um, businesses that are not under the health order, like, unfortunately, you know, in New South Wales and Victoria, hairdressers and beauty salons are covered under the health order as well. In Queensland, they're not going to be, you know, so a hairdresser, for example, can't put a sign on his door saying only vaccinated people can come here, okay? because that would be discriminating in that sense, unless he can justify That he cannot um, reduce or have uh, these social distancing requirements that are needed to keep his staff safe. So, you know, there's things that you have to look at, but I absolutely advise people to get their own legal advice on it if they're concerned. Uh, Peter McEwan's another one who's, look,
1: uh, you know, he has the Temptations Cafe and he's worried about how he's going to police this and how he's going to police it with his staff.
0: You know, I wrote to the Premier back on the 9th of November when this first came out um, and she responded that, you know, they're expecting businesses um, to do the best they can, okay, to have the signage up, um, to check people as they're coming in. If a person refuses to show it to them, you're not going to put your staff in danger. Okay, you've got to look at the situation the same as a hotel owner would with intoxicated people. It's their responsibility if someone's intoxicated in their property to remove them. You know, if someone is unvaccinated and could potentially cause a risk to your customers, it's your job to have them removed. That's not your job to do it. You call the police if the police are available they come if they don't then there's not much you can do about it and you know I, I certainly i understand the mandates and if you've done the best you can and as the wording she gave to me was can do may do um you know it's everyone has to do the best they can and that's you know i think what's asked to the businesses to absolutely to police the fact that you know they don't want um other people in their businesses getting sick unnecessarily so you know just randomly go around to the tables checking for people's vaccines. If they won't show it to you, there's not much you can do about it except for calling the police. If the police are too busy, as the Premier said in a letter, they've got to prioritise themselves and what's the most important thing. Um, but I do know that she's, I got a message today saying that on the 17th, they're go, they are going to be doing a lot of advertising. Um, so businesses are fully aware of what the situation is and, and people will be fully aware of what the situation is. Um, and that um, the police will be, you know, doing their best to enforce it to start with as well which you know is a police matter more so than it is a little coffee cafe cafe owner
1: you did not out a letter all of you to the government um, about the concerns and basically that was the concerns of the community as a council yeah they ask you, or they tell you they have concerns, and
0: so you've nutted out that letter as a collective, which was good, I thought. Well, and that's what I was hoping to do, to get it up front at the start of the meeting so we can discuss it, get it sorted, get it finalised, so we didn't have to go through the whole meeting knowing that that was still coming up. Um, And, you know, we successfully did it, which I was very happy that we've, you know, got a compromise and we've found, um, you know, points that we believe will, you know, will cover all councillors anyway. Um, and that we can write a letter to the state just making sure they're aware of the concerns that people in our community have and certainly the concerns of the businesses up here.
1: Well, you took an hour to do that. It was a lot of talk. Now, application for permanent road closure adjoining Lot 204 on Captain Cook Highway, Killaloe.
0: Yeah, just the prawn farm there, the entrance road there. Um, you know, it just goes to a dead end, which is the business itself. So they're not wanting people to go down there unnecessarily, and they're going to put a nice round of turning area there, and you know, fix the road up so it looks like a decent road for them to use for their employers.
1: Okay, and then sort of some, you know, we had cancelled grants, we had uh, fees and charges, Mossman Pool and Caravan Park,
0: subsidise fitness activate. Well, the Activate Program's been a really successful program. Um, unfortunately, the funding that we're getting for it's finished, and we don't want to lose it altogether. So we've tried to do it with a lesser fee as possible. As um, uh, like one of the activities, the aerobics I think in the park is five dollars, you know, for, for a session rather than having it free because we're not having that grant funding anymore. So included those fees in so that we're able to charge people.
1: Okay, capital works, utility charges, rating matters, any interesting stuff in there?
0: Well, we had received quite a few complaints, of course, from people over the river. We introduced this financial year, um, putting rubbish bin collection up there. um, And each business was allocated so many bins. And, you know, we got some feedback from some of the business saying that the proportionate amounts of the rubbish bins they didn't feel was fair and correct. So we've just made a couple adjustments there on that. Um, so we'll run that for the next six months to see how that goes and um, get a bit more feedback before we go to the next budget. And, you know, if need be, we can look at it further then. Revised budget,
1: financial report uh, as well, audit committee, meeting minutes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then we came to a highly emotive issue, the notice of motion, Port Douglas Splash, Park and Water Precinct, maybe at Reynolds Park on Port Douglas Road. Now this came from Councillor Noly. She's suggesting a splash park may be in the wrong location and dreams of a day when we will have a lagoon. Uh, it's all part of Roy Zamataro's dream as well. I'm not sure if that dream is the Disneyland lagoon that the former mayor floated, but that in my opinion
0: would be a huge financial drain on council funds as i said in the meeting i have a dream that one day i'll own a ram truck the reality is i don't because i can't afford it um this shire does not have the money for a free lagoon it's that simple you know unless we can start getting some sort of other income through bed taxes or things like that to increase our incomes the ratepayers of this shire are burdened enough as it is for a small rate base with a large shire with a lot of needs um, there's there's no practicality in a free lagoon as much as we'd love one you know and it's that simple so what we came up with was a thought of okay let's uh, do a like a splash park with a and i hate the term splash park because as soon as you say splash park people automatically think red buckets and yellow things and all that. not what i'm talking about it's a water plain nature area you know so where kids have got this water splashing all over the place kids can still cool down get wet but keep it a little more natural theme um, it's all
1: it's like the old-fashioned under of the hose at home type thing.
0: Yeah, a modern version of that and, yeah, you know, much more fun. You, know, you can still have spinny things and all the rest of it, but natural colours and, you know, making sure it suits the environment of what Port Douglas predicts. And then have an adventure playground and to compensate that, have a pool area there that's a paid pool so that, you know, if you've got 12 and 13 year olds, you're not leaving them at the beach on their own. Okay, well, you get a lunch. If there's a pool area, they will. they will jump in there. They can meet friends. They can become a social thing. The nippers can use it. Elderly people can use it for water aerobics. And uh, new mums can use it for babies. All those sorts of things. There's lots of practicalities that a pool can have. Yeah, as well as the the fact that tourists can use it when the beach is closed or the parents don't feel safe with stingers and all those sorts of things so to me it was a, a win-win situation having something that actually generates an income to help cover its costs having the play, the the adventure playground and a nature play water area and activating that park area and that's been discussed now at multiple workshops with the councilors um and the location and the location as well it was very very clearly spoken about where it was well
1: councillor Nolan zamatara said oh this is news to me. I didn't even know about the, where it was going to be.
0: Well I can't speak for them but I certainly knew where it was and Councillor McEwen I asked him and he knew where it was and Councillor Skommers and she knew where it was as well. So it was spoken about, it absolutely you was know, and so this motion that's been put forward asking for costings and all the rest of it yeah it's going to be it's now a resolution so that's how it goes yeah we'll be another couple of years before we get any sort of water feature or any water thing Yeah, which is disappointing we've already got the 1.5 million there from cynthia um, we've got a federal election coming up which i've spoken to warren about and he's certainly very keen to assist financially in getting us the water area um, and this is a thing that we're going to miss out on because it's being stalled again yeah, you know, it's it's disappointing. This is 20 years that, you know, Douglas has been after some sort of safe water area precinct in Port Douglas. Stalled or dead? Well, I believe it's stored and I certainly hope so. You know, but it won't be... I mean, it's my term as mayor anyway. You know, that's how it goes. So, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating because I know that um, Douglas, or Port Douglas in particular, absolutely wants a precinct. Um, and, you know, now this period of time whatever will happen to to do these things which will be no different to you know a lagoon and i will say it was disappointing that they brought these things forward and it didn't happen at the last um, time they brought up their lagoon um, that lagoon was decided by councillors for the location it was decided without any you know financial costings and all the rest of it um, so to do that on this one to squash it i think was very disappointing You know, people can't make a decision on whether or not they want something, unless they can see it, and the whole purpose of this, which was passed in the operational plan by a majority of councillors, was to get a design concept done so we can put something out to the public for them to decide decide whether they like it. You know, and that the location would have been included in that. You know, so it is frustrating, but it's a majority rules, and they've passed it now. Um, so it is what it is. I think it's very disappointing, Mayor Michael Kerr. Thank you. Thank you very much.